And like always, I'll wait. I'll, 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 I'll you know, if you want to take communion, just you, just you and God, that's fine. But if you want to wait till to take it with me, that's fine too. Right. Thank you. Oh, you got them both. Okay. Has anyone here ever passed out because just because God's so good? <laughs> yes. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. Sorta. Yep. All right. Hmm. Thank you, Father. Like I said, if you want to take that just between you and God, that's fine. But I'm going to go ahead and take communion now. Lord Jesus, I remember, I recall, I bring to my remembrance your sacrifice and your suffering. And I thank you for going through that so that I would not have to I thank you, Lord. Thank you for your broken body. And I receive that healing that I need by faith. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And go ahead and take this. Go ahead and take the cup. Lord Jesus. I thank you to your blood. It all comes back to the blood. The scarlet thread. <laughs> that runs all through the word. The never-ending flow. Of redemption. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Because I was guilty. And now you say, not guilty not guilty. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and take the cup. Testing, one, two, can you hear me? Test, test, I can hear it, but it's not very loud. Testing, testing, test, test, test. Well. Praise God. How much did garbage men get paid, Charlie? <laughs> thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, for the weight of your glory that you set upon this place. 
It's always here. We just become more aware of it. When we begin to worship in spirit and in truth, when we begin to search our heart and draw near to you in our heart, Lord, and honor you, and then that we become aware suddenly of the weight of your glory that's resting upon this place. And we carry that with us everywhere we go. So I thank you for your glory and your goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, anoint me to bring out this word. May it be a word that's pleasing to your ear and useful for instruction, reproof, everything that we need. We need we need instruction. We need encouragement. We need correction. We need your hand. We need your guidance, Father. And I praise you for it, and I thank you for it. And in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Nikki. That's so pretty. I'm, when I'm in here, just praying to worship stuff, whatever the keyboard comes on. It's like, oh, this isn't stuff to keep on. Okay, so everyone go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, book of Jonah. As you can see, you got there on your handout. And I'm going to be reading out of the NLT. Um, just because it's got some wordage that uh, will help with what we're talking about today. And uh, <clears throat> did I pass it? Yeah, I should have I should have put myself a bookmark. I've got three of them up here. I'll just do the old-fashioned trick and look over in my table of contents and find the page number. I would tell you the page number, but that wouldn't help you because... go. There it is. So before we get into this, and I want to—I feel I, I got to give you a little bit of background. So Jonah, if you've never read the book of Jonah, Jonah was one of God's prophets in Israel, and he he receives this command to from God. God tells him, "Get up and go to the city of Nineveh and pronounce judgment against it, because I'm going to destroy it." That's what God told him. And uh, now, Nineveh was the capital, Siri, the capital of Assyria, which we talked about mm, the last couple of months. We talked about the ancient kingdom of Assyria, which was a really oppressive, evil kingdom that, that spread. And, and I mean, God, even though it was an evil kingdom, God used it to bring judgment upon other nations that were, were sinning. And then he eventually brought judgment on Assyria because it was, it was evil. It did, it did more cruelty than, I mean, God didn't intend for it to be cruel. He, so he gave it a, a charge to, to bring judgment against nations that were doing evil. And it itself was very cruel in how it executed that judgment. So God executed judgment on them because they went too far. And so, uh, but it was the first nation actually to employ what we know nowadays as terrorism, modern terrorism. That it was the first nation to do that. To, to use fear to... Uh, demoralize its enemies so that it could it could take over and uh, Israel was one of the countries that the Assyrians were oppressing at this time and uh, so 
go ahead and read the first few verses here. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my... And now, it's not a great city because it's a good city. It's great because it's, it's big. It's numerically great. It's not... You know, so it's a go to the, uh, go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, this was something that happened uh, quite a bit, uh, where uh, a nation would would become very corrupt, become very evil, and God would send someone to say, "You need to stop this." Um, and so, because God is God, the God of the whole earth, so He is not He's not just concerned with Israel. He is also has a vested interest in every nation of the earth, and he is constantly calling them back to repentance. And so, so he so so uh, it, it says here in verse three. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now Tarshish, the ancient. That's the ancient name for Spain. So he's, he's over on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea, and he's like, I'm going to get, I'm going I'm to go to the end of the, the known world. That's, that was his goal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get as far away from God as possible. Well, isn't that odd? Because Nineveh is oppressing Israel, and Jonah is a prophet in Israel. And so you would think that Jonah would be happy because God has just said he's going to judge Nineveh. I'm, I'm going to go pronounce my judgment against this city. You'd think Jonah would be happy about that. And uh, instead, Jonah gets up and tries to get as far away as possible. And later in the book, we'll find out why Jonah did this, because he'll tell us from his own mouth why he did this. Um, but uh, before we get there, uh, i just continue here. Jonah gets on the boat, sails out onto the sea in this boat. You may remember the story. The great storm comes upon the sea. The, the sailors are trying to get back to land. And Jonah tells them, this storm is my fault because I'm running away from God. So just throw me over. And the storm will cease. And that's exactly what happened. They, they didn't want to do it. They said, okay, okay, God, uh, this man's sin is not, it's not our fault. Please don't judge us. And they throw, him over, <laughs> they throw him overboard. And the storm immediately stops, it said. Immediate calm. And so while Jonah's in the water, God causes a, a, a great fish to swallow Jonah. It doesn't say it was a whale. Could have been a whale. But it doesn't say it was a whale. And uh, he spends three days and nights inside the fish. And then what happens is, is that he prays uh, to God. And God tells the fish to spit Jonah on dry land. Now, uh, this is just a side note. I don't have this in my notes. But this is something that God had showed me. Because people will, people will ask. I've seen people say, I want God's will for my life. And then they, but they don't do what this is saying. What they want is the next. I want God to show me what I'm supposed to do right now. Well, unless he, he why would he give you a specialized assignment if you're not doing this, the basic assignments that we all are supposed to have. And so what happens, though, is that they, they wind up in all this trouble, and, and they come to, they come, they've come to me, I mean, not just here, it's, I mean, my entire life. People kinda, and I didn't always know the answer to it, so I didn't always know what to say. But I've learned, I learned through the book of Jonah why, because they're like, well, why am I going through all these things? And it's like, well, did you, tell, did you make a, a promise to God? Did you tell him that you would do something? Well, yeah. And yet you're, you're moving away and doing your own thing, and so, but when you told, when you gave him a promise, you gave him the right to pull you back. And so if you're fighting against him while he's trying to pull you back, of course it's going to be a struggle. That's just a side note. Because, and the reason I figured that out is because I'm reading the book of Jonah. And Jonah prays, I, he, when he, he, get, he prays this long prayer and he gets to the end and he says, I will fulfill all my vows. 
And God's like, okay, fish, spit him out. Because now he said he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Okay? So now it's a miraculous event, this, the whole fish thing. That's a, mirac- that's a miracle. God does miracles. Uh, so then Jonah, he's back on land. He journeys to Nineveh, which would have been a long walk. Because Nineveh is northeast uh, of where he would have had to be spat out. And so that's a long walk to get to Nineveh. It's like, okay, you just got spit out of a fish. Now you're going to walk many, 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 many miles. And so he gets there, and uh, he does what God tells him to do. He's just like, God's going to destroy this city. That's all he says. And then, but something interesting happens. The king of Nineveh, and everybody, the king of Nineveh says, we all need to repent. God didn't even tell them to repent. He just said, I'm going to destroy the city. They all repented. They all, they all laid in burlap and ashes to show their remorse. They, 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 they fasted. They, they prayed. And God decided, okay, I'm not going to destroy the city because they turned from their wicked ways, right? Now look down at verse 10 in chapter 3. It says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now top of, verse, top, top of chapter 4. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So the entire city gets spared, and Jonah gets angry. Okay? So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. So now we see why Jonah ran away at first. There, he, he just told us. Because God says, Jonah, I need you to go. You're going to go and you're going to pronounce judgment against this city. And when Jonah heard that, he knew in his heart, God doesn't really want to destroy this city. But I, but I want it destroyed. And so what is his thinking? His thinking is... If I'm not there to warn them, then the city's going to get destroyed. So he's trying to outwit God, right? How can you do that? You can't outwit God. So, so he's he's like, I, I, I Jonah wants them gone. He, he's like, when God shows mercy, mercy, Jonah gets angry. God, you, you're supposed to destroy my enemies, not spare them. And the, and the Amplified gives us a more clear picture of how well Jonah really understood God's character. Let me read it for you. In the Amplified, it says, And he, Jonah, prayed to the Lord and said, I pray you, O Lord, is this not just what I said when I was still in my country? That is why I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And when sinners turn to you and meet your conditions, you revoke the sentence of evil against them. So here we know that Jonah was aware that God is what what God is interested in when it comes to people. Jonah knows very well what God is interested in. He wants people to return to him. Jonah knows that. And now I'm going to be transparent here. When I first read this, I thought, wow, God's probably going to really tell Jonah what's what because Jonah just read God the riot act, right? Jonah's yelling at God. I'm reading it for the first time, and I'm like, who, who gets away with talking to God like this? 
You know, but what does God say in verse 4? Verse 4, it said, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? That's all he says. Is it right for you to be angry about this, Jonah? Jonah, is it right? And that response just really floored me. I'm like, I did not expect God to say that. Have you ever been in the middle of an argument with someone and they say something that suddenly just completely disarms your argument? It just completely destroys your argument. Have that, have you ever, have that ever happened to you? And that room suddenly that you don't want to be in anymore. I want to get out of here. It's this. It's off. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I know it's clicking. I thought I fixed it. It's okay. We'll figure it out. And so... Uh, in verse 5, it says, Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. So he is, he's a, here's, this is denial. You know, God has spared the city. He's already said, God, I knew you wanted to spare the city. But he's still going to go out there and say, okay, let me see what happens to the city. Is this not denial? Is this th- th- that It's that hope where you know in your heart that God has said one thing and God's already resolved on something, but you're still like, maybe, maybe it'll still happen to pan out the way that I want it to. And that's exactly what's happening here. He's, he's, he's in the realm of the maybe that maybe. So, <laughs> so then Jonah goes over there. Now read verse 6. It says, and the Lord, the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And it soon spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This is uh, God doing an object lesson. You've been in, in, a, in a, uh, some type of meeting, right, where they did an object lesson. Someone picks up a thing, and they're like, okay, this represents. So this is an object lesson. God does, God, God does object lessons better than anybody. Because whereas I would have to go out and buy a plant, God just said, oh, I'll just grow a plant right here. No, no problem. I'll just grow this plant. So God grows this plant. <laughs> so he's shading Jonah from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? So God brings up this question. Is it, is, it right for you to be, is it really right for you to be angry about this, Jonah? Think about this. Think about this. Is it right? And when God com- compares the plant that Jonah felt sorry for to the city filled with people that Jonah did not care about, the issue behind God's question comes to the foreground. Jonah couldn't, could not get past all this negativity he felt toward Nineveh, right? Even though he knew it was God's will to spare those people. 
it's very possible that people close to Jonah were killed by, Nin- by the people from Nineveh. It's very possible that t- he, he himself experienced personal tragedy because of this. It doesn't say, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Okay? But see, this is why God's question disarms him, because God's like, you care about the plant. You care about a plant more than you care about a city full of people. So Jonah, but see, Jonah felt, had felt justified in wanting Nineveh to be destroyed because the people of that city had hurt him, hurt his people. And see, but God's question is one that if you, if you take it seriously, because you can apply this question to anything. If you, if you take this question seriously, it forces you to stop and weigh some things out and say, is it, is it right for me to feel angry about this? Is, is it right? And so Jonah, at this point, at this moment, now he's just standing at a crossroads. Because at this moment, now he knows that he should, have, this whole time, he should have been weighing his feelings against what he knew in his heart that God wanted. Because he knew what God wanted. But what was more important to him is what he wanted. Okay, so if God is, is truly the righteous judge of the earth, then God's standard is the one that we should be going by. Always. Now first, let's remember that this, this man was God's prophet. He's a prophet. He, he is someone who speaks for God, who represents God in the earth. Well, he's not representing God if he knows what God's desires are, and he's not promoting those desires. And see, now here, over in, over in the New Covenant, Jesus said, you, he, well, he said, the, the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So now we are God's representatives. And so we should always be asking ourselves this question because we need to, if we're going to represent him, we need to have his interests, his desires, and we should be promoting those things. Amen? Well, now, and that's just a side thing. That's not really exactly what I was getting at, but we think, we tend to think of prophets as a, on a higher level somehow, but as it turns out, Jonah had just had emotions just like the rest of us. He's got no advantage over us. And we have no advantage over him. And notice how patient God is. God's very patient. And he's very, he was very patient with me when he first started showing this to me. Because when God asked Jonah if it was right for him to be angry, at first I missed it because I thought that it was wrong to be angry at all. That was, and that was never taught from the pulpit, but just kind of the undercurrent growing up when the things that people would say. It's like you, you shouldn't be angry at all. And so I felt like a failure constantly because I was mad a lot. I don't seem like the type of person that's mad a lot, but I was mad a lot at that time. And, uh, you know, mad at stupid stuff. It wasn't like I had a legitimate chip on my shoulder or anything. I didn't have a chip on my shoulder, but I was just, you know, it's easy. Anger wills up. It's easy. And so, and anger itself is easy, right? And so I thought, well, it's, it's wrong to be angry at all. You know, but during times of, while I was studying this out, this this passage here in Jonah and another passage kept coming up. Let's turn it over to Ephesians four, and let's switch over to the Amplified Classic here. I couldn't get we couldn't find uh, the Amplified Classic on your sheet, so you just have the regular Amplified. So the words are going to be just a little bit different. Ephesians four, verse 
Um, so if you prefer to just listen, that's fine too. But I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, the sheet's right, but the slides are wrong. Okay, all right. So if you, if you want to see what I'm going to read word for word, it's going to be up here. Okay. Have I got, your, have I got the gears in your, in your brain turning this morning? <laughs> all right, so Ephesians 4, look down at verse 26. This is, stuff that, this is basic stuff that every Christian needs to know, but most of them don't. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to equip you. I'm going to arm you. With, with some knowledge here. That took me a long time to learn, but I want you to just pick it up and run with it, okay? So here in verse 26, it says uh, in the Amplified Classic, it says, when angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fury, or indignation last until the sun goes down. Leave no such room or foothold for the devil Give no opportunity to him. Okay. And so I, I realized it said that very first, just those very those first five words, when angry, do not sin. Therefore, anger in, in and of itself is not a sin. It, it can't be. Because when angry, do not sin. Is that not right? So anger in a, anger is just an emotion. It's not. It, it's neither right nor wrong. It's just a. It's just an emotion. It's just a feeling. And God gets angry. And so, if, if God gets angry, then it can't be a sin because God can't sin. But it's what it's how you act on it, or do not act. It's, it's what you do with it that that leads you into doing wrong. Because when angry, do not sin. Okay. And now it, it said there, leave leave no such room or, or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. And so there's, a really, there's so much instruction in this verse. Okay, so you could say that you could put it this way. Uh, there, there, is a, there must be a right way to be angry. Um, or you could say there must be a blameless way to be angry. Or you could say there has to be a sinless way to be angry. Okay. And so, uh, here's another way to put it. While you're angry, be careful what you say and do. Think about what you say, what you do. And so, it, it, now next, it says, it, make sure that your, that your anger is temporary, that it doesn't last, or that it doesn't stay with you, or that it doesn't endure in you. Okay? You can put it that way. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It should be very temporary. Be very quick. And it's talking about, what it's actually talking about is unresolved anger. Because you know as well as I do, it's possible to bury anger. You know, uh, but why? Why, why, do not, why shouldn't you bury anger? Well, it said right there, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. It gives him a foothold. Now, he is a... He is a, 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 he is not an omnipotent being. He is not all-powerful like God is. He is, not every, he is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere or all-knowing like God is. He has limited time. He has limited resources. And he has limited ability. So he might not, and this is why people sometimes are like, well, I can, I can, I can deal with the anger. 
but notice, but understand that all it does is give Satan a, a, gives him room. It gives him an opportunity, which means that just because somebody gives him an opportunity doesn't mean he's going to take it because maybe he didn't see it. Maybe he didn't spot it. Maybe he doesn't have enough manpower to deal with that. Okay? So sometimes people, this is, this is tricky. Sometimes people think, well, it's all right. No. No, it's not, because it said not to give an opportunity to, to say, don't give him room, don't give him a, you know, don't do that. But when you think about a foothold, it's a foot, a foot, that's very specific language. You know, when a, cli- a climber is climbing a mountain, they need that foothold. They need to find, they need to seek out footholds to, because if they can't find a foothold, they can't get, they can't, they can't overcome that mountain. And so God is telling us, don't give him a foothold. And then he won't be able to overcome you. Okay? So it's the same way you could think of it in military terms. That's what they, I mean, they, 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 one country invades another. They look to get a foothold. They call it that. That's the actual term. We're looking to get a foothold in this nation. What, what's that mean? They're going to take up a defensible position so that they can repel the enemy attacks, so that they can, they can, they're the defender's attacks, so that they can get themselves set up, so that they can bring more and wave and wave and wave of, of more soldiers and armor and whatever, so that they can, they can push on. So, the, so Satan looks for a foothold so that he can then expand on that, you know. And so according to God's word here in verse 27, even though anger in and of itself is not a sin, Unresolved anger will give the devil an opportunity. Okay. And, and, and we can get our own selves in trouble with that. I mean, if you just keep burying and burying and burying and burying, one day 